Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah, and this is the final of a six-week study series we've been doing right here on Faith Radio Network. And those of you who are joining us also uh, via the podcast, thank you so much. And then all of you listening either live or archived through the Faith Radio app, welcome. Uh, This is the sixth installment, the final installment of our series, Unanswered, Lasting Truth for Trending Questions. And friends, I'm so delighted for all of you who have reached out to me uh, either through the website, askjjj.com, or through the Faith Radio website, uh, or on social media. It's been so delightful to hear from many of you who have just found this uh, series to be helpful and enriching to your spiritual life. Heard from many of you after the Mental Health Weekend, tons also uh, after the Paranormal Weekend, And I know that today's broadcast especially is going to minister to all of you because all of us have had experiences of suffering in our lives. And just today, I received an email from a gentleman on the East Coast. I don't want to give too much detail because I want to protect his anonymity. Uh, But this was an individual who actually hosted a major event for Christian Thinker Society some time ago with a group of pastors And yet he's been reading the writings of an apostate, of an individual who left the Christian faith. And he was just getting twisted up inside about it. And we had this wonderful, sweet opportunity to discuss that over email. And we'll talk again soon on the phone. And I just want to let you know that this broadcast is for you today because we all have had those experiences of evil, suffering, pain, disappointment. And we want to know where is God when we're struggling? Well, today's final installment, Becoming Job, Why Suffering, Me-Centric Christianity, and a Concierge God Don't Mix is just for us. I'm going to be talking about what it means to have a prevent faith, and I'm also going to be talking about the problem of love. And then finally, later on in the episode, I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Professor Craig Evans, and we're just going to hit the ball back and forth uh, in studio here today on things that we've learned from the laboratory of life and scholarship Um, and just our travels that will encourage you with whatever suffering you may be facing today. This is a broadcast you're going to listen to again and again, so be sure and subscribe to our podcast. I'll be back in 90 seconds for more of my message on how you can overcome if you're facing adversity today. The number one reason people walk away from Christianity is the why problem, some kind of personal experience of unexpected tragedy that leads to despair and eventually disbelief. We recently interviewed a number of former Christians at the National Atheist Convention, and again and again and again, the response for leaving the faith was some personal experience of tragedy or suffering. Steve Jobs, founder of Apple and innovator of the iPhone, grew up in a Christian home. But did you know, at the young age of 13, Steve Jobs left his Christian faith? 
1968, young Steve Jobs noticed shocking photos in a Life magazine article on children starving and suffering in Africa. And he brought that magazine with those photos to his pastor. And guess what? His pastor was unprepared to answer the question. Perhaps you're suffering today. Perhaps you're struggling just to hold on. How can I survive my suffering? Perhaps you've experienced a loss that's caused you to lose all hope. How do we even begin to understand all the promises that God has made to his people? And then we look around and see all the problems God's people experience. Have you ever been so depressed, suffered so much that you wish to die? Did you know that there's a powerful passage in the Bible where one of the strongest followers of Jesus also wished to die? And out of that situation, we get one of the greatest passages and promises in the Bible on deliverance. Even though we're told in scriptures to expect trials, there is a pain tolerance we can develop as God makes it possible for us to encounter and overcome our suffering. And there are remarkable lessons that we can learn. We'll be back after this break for the rest of my message on how you can overcome evil, pain, and suffering through the vitality and power in your walk with Jesus Christ. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is Jeremiah. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Take your Bible out to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Have a pen if you can. We're going to be joining my message right now on evil, suffering, and pain in the Christian life. July 30th is a Sunday I'll never forget. Rejoicing after a weekend of services, my phone rang. It was my good friend Marty. I wasn't prepared for what he was going to share with me in the moments that followed. Now, some background's important. When I think about pastoring, there are a few people that I remember who preached me a sermon with their lives. That's way more powerful than words could ever be. Marty and his wife Karen came to our church reluctantly at first. There were a lot of people there. We had TV cameras. There were colored lights, but they were attracted to the teaching of the Word of God. Slowly, we got to know one another. We did Bible lands tours together, and Marty and Karen traveled with us to Greece and then to Turkey and then to Israel. I developed a very close bond with this family. Marty and Karen have two very talented children. Their son, Anthony, an incredible entrepreneur who co-founded a famous shoe and apparel company in his early 30s. Back to that July 30th phone call. This was just 10 days after I'd met Anthony. Phone rings. Jeremy, this is Marty's voice shaking. Anthony has died. He is with Jesus. Anthony wasn't feeling well after a golf tournament. It was hosted in his honor. He went home and he passed while he was sleeping, just 36 years of age. I was so shocked by Marty's phone call. We had just been with Anthony 10 days beforehand, and now we were planning his funeral services. The thing that I remember about the funeral service was hearing people pray to trust Christ as their Savior all over that auditorium. Many of these people never would have probably been in a church. Marty and Karen were grieving, as any parent would, and they kept saying something to me that just stuck out. Jeremy, we're going to trust God. You know, it's a parent's worst nightmare to outlive their children. And Marty and Karen, they began to live that nightmare. But the story doesn't stop there. Their suffering didn't end there. While they were grieving for their son, Marty said that he actually began to have blurred vision, double vision, and so he went to a specialist only to find out that now he had a brain tumor. I mean, can you imagine this, losing your own child and then finding out that you or your spouse has a brain tumor? 
I honestly did my best as a pastor to minister to Marty and Karen. But more than anything else, I just wanted to be present in their life. When people are hurting, we don't necessarily have to say anything. Sometimes it's better not to say anything, but just being present is what people appreciate. Audrey and I spent time with Marty and Karen in two different hospitals in two different states with his brain tumor being operated on. I'll never forget seeing Marty after one of his surgeries. He had a fever. He was there in obvious pain, but he kept saying to me, I'm going to trust God. The good news is, is that God healed Marty's brain tumor, but the sting of losing his child was still there. That will never leave. I remember several moments of grieving with Marty and Karen, but I can honestly tell you, I never remember them complaining. I never remember hearing them mistrust God. They just kept trusting Almighty God, even through the loss of a son and a difficult diagnosis. You know what's interesting? Marty and Karen, they don't, they're not ordained. They don't have advanced degrees in theology. They're not in the ministry, and yet they preached my wife and I a powerful sermon with their life example. Have you ever, like Marty and Karen, hurt so deeply that you actually felt like death? Have you ever been so depressed, suffered so much that you actually wish to die? Perhaps you've experienced loss that has actually caused you to just completely lose all hope. Well, did you know that there is a powerful passage in the Bible where one of the strongest followers of Jesus also wished to die? A lot of people miss this passage. It's so important. It comes to us right out of your Bibles. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church he founded at Corinth in AD 50. Now, even though this letter is called 2 Corinthians, this is most likely the fourth letter that he sent back to, the church, to his church family. Paul spent 18 months preaching in the city of Corinth on his second missionary journey, and you can read all about that in Acts 18. Paul knows these Corinthian Christians well. They are safe. He can be brutally honest with them. What we learn from this fascinating passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is, number one, I can and should be honest about the reality of my suffering and pain. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul gets really honest about all the problems, all the pain, all the suffering, and the experience of evil in his life and ministry. Did you know that 2 Corinthians has actually been called the Job of the New Testament? Paul had so many problems and difficulties that even his critics and opponents actually said that he wasn't really an apostle because it seemed that God had abandoned him. Listen to these words, "'For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren.'" of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. That's 2 Corinthians 1.8. Highlight that in your Bible. I want you to underline that word despaired. It's that wonderful Greek word, exoparemai, exoparemai. Do you realize that Paul was saying he had such an experience of grief and suffering and pain that he actually renounces all hope? He literally felt there was no escape. Have you ever been there? One translation says that Paul suffered literally beyond his ability to endure. Paul suffered so much that it wasn't just that he couldn't handle it physically. That passage is actually telling us something deeper. From a spiritual standpoint, Paul didn't even understand or begin to comprehend his suffering and difficulty. Have you noticed sometimes when we suffer, it's difficult to even grasp or understand or even explain what we're going through. Suffering is so often unexplainable. Paul doesn't stop there. Keep going in verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, 
underline that word sentence. It's that interesting Greek word, apokrimai, apokrimai. The word occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. I love Paul's honesty here. It's a secular Greek term that literally refers to a decree or a verdict or a decision that just settles the matter. Paul says that he has literally received this verdict within himself. He's suffering so much on the inside that he feels like he's literally on death row. We can imagine Paul saying something like this to his friends, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so stressed, I'm so anxious, I literally think I'm going to die. Guess what? Some of you are right there listening to my voice. In the Greek, it's in the perfect tense. He felt this was permanent. His suffering was not going away. And this is a strong point for us as followers of Jesus. Paul did not deny the way he felt. Paul doesn't sugarcoat all of his hardships. And if you're having a bad day, I want to tell you this. On the authority of 2 Corinthians 1, it's okay to talk about it. Paul did. If you're struggling, speak about it. Don't hold that in. God does not want us to deny our emotions. Later in 2 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter 7, verse 5, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. I love the old KJV. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Talking about your problems it doesn't mean that you lack faith. Defining the reality of your situation can actually lead to healing. Remember back in verse 8, Paul begins his letter by saying this to the church he founded. These people are special to him. We do not want you to be what? Unaware of all our problems. You might have come from a family where struggles were never discussed. You know, things just kind of swept under the rug. You know, some families suffer because they actually never talk about the problems. They never talk about the suffering, and that's the worst scenario. Or they act as if some tragic event never happened. This happens frequently with families who've experienced a tragic loss like suicide in their family. Not talking about your troubles can lead to so much more heartache. Here's the point. Though Paul defines his reality of suffering, listen closely now, he doesn't live there. I'm of the belief that we can learn from the past, but we don't live there. Notice the rest of the verse. Here's where it gets really powerful. This continues verse 9. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves. That's that sentence he's talking about. But notice what it goes on to say. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Verse 10, one of the most powerful verses in the New Testament, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10. Number two, I come to know God better through my pain and suffering. The wonderful pastor from London, Charles Spurgeon, ministered out of the pain of intense personal suffering. He suffered from gout and other related diseases. His wife was an invalid confined to her room during 10 of the most productive years of his ministry. As the pain Spurgeon sat in his wife's room one evening, a log whistled in the fireplace. Gases trapped in the wood were released, causing a brief musical tone. Spurgeon told his wife, Susanna, it takes the fire to bring out the music. Only when our circumstances exceed our ability to handle them do we really, truly, experientially know what it is to depend only on God. You know, sometimes we rely on ourselves much more than God. Have you noticed that if we got really honest? 
It's as if we say, you know, God, you can take some time off. I've got this. I can handle this. I'm strong enough or smart enough for this. We've come a long way in our Christian lives when we learn to put faith in God alone and not in ourselves or our abilities. There's a reason in another passage of Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says we're to live every day as a living sacrifice. But have you noticed how so often we want to crawl off the altar of being a living sacrifice, if we got really honest? The Christian journey is not a life free from the storms of life, just because we become followers of Jesus. True faith, the Bible tells us, is never surprised by adversity. Number three, my response to suffering determines my future. You know, the syntax of verse nine is very important, 2 Corinthians chapter one. We learn from Paul that his suffering was actually part of God's plan. There was a divine purpose in his suffering. Notice Paul says the negative first, quote, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but then he gives us the positive, but in God who raises the dead. Paul's suffering literally took him to the brink, and this is the brink that we all need to get to. Paul was so talented. He was educated. He was wise. He was articulate. He knew the word of God. He had ability and stamina and strength, and yet what did God do? God stripped him down. And he took away every trace of confidence that Paul might have had in himself. And Paul got to that point of utter dependence on God, a God who he says, quote, raises the dead. Here's the key point. When I rely on myself, when I rely on my wisdom or my strength, I cannot fully rely on God. Johnny Erickson Tata, that incredible Christian author and singer who is also a quadriplegic, said this about suffering. Quote, it's a glorious thing to know that your Father God makes no mistakes in directing or permitting that which crosses the paths of your life. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is our glory to trust Him no matter what. End quote. My message for you today is that God makes it possible for us to encounter and overcome our suffering. He makes it possible for us to gain advantages through suffering. God makes it possible for us to have a complete and purposeful Christian life. I love how Paul sums up his belief in God by saying he trusts in a God who raises the dead. That was Paul's theology in a sentence. Paul describes God in two important ways for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 4 first. Paul describes God as a one who comforts us. And then secondly, look at verse 9. He is a God who raises the dead. For Paul, that was all he needed. God will comfort me, he will stand with me in this trial, and he will work miracles. I stand on God's promises more firmly when I know I can't stand on my own. We serve a God who comforts, and second, we serve a God who raises the dead. He will deliver us. So we must remember God is never the cause or the agent of suffering. Suffering, though, does not supersede God's plan for our life. I will keep suffering, God will keep delivering. 2 Corinthians 1.10, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. He'll just keep delivering us. Have you noticed that when God delivers us, He rescues us from some great problem or difficulty in our life, we gain more confidence that God will rescue us again? I mean, it seems logical, but we see it happen and work itself out in our own lives. This is why I love to be around other older, more mature Christians. They're so encouraging when problems happen. They've seen this before, and they know we serve a God who will deliver. 
That's exactly what Paul is saying here. This wasn't Paul's first bout with suffering, and it won't be his last, but he knows that God will keep delivering him. I love that passage, he has delivered, he will deliver, he will deliver yet again. It doesn't matter which direction Paul looked in his life, if he looked back, God was there delivering. If he looked around in his present difficulties, God was there delivering. And if he looked to the future of his life, he knew that God would be there to deliver him. It's powerful. Is this your testimony today? Get your eyes off all your problems and put your eyes on God who is right there delivering you. Paul saw God's hand of grace and his saving presence everywhere in his life. Does this mean that God will always deliver us in the same way? No. Sometimes God delivers us out of suffering, and other times He delivers us through our suffering. God delivers in different ways. Our job is always to trust Him. As a Bible scholar, I can confidently say that when evil and suffering and tragedy are discussed throughout the New Testament, the emphasis is not on the cause of the suffering, nor is it on some kind of miraculous escape from suffering. Instead, the New Testament affirms the presence of Jesus in a crisis— what we can learn, who we can become, and how one should respond. There is always a purpose in my suffering. Number four, I do not suffer in vain. God's plan and blessings are not canceled by my trials. Look at verse 11. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Paul was never afraid to ask his friends and his churches for prayer. Have you noticed that? In nearly all of his letters, Paul specifically discusses his immediate need for their prayers. I think of Romans 15, 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. And in verse 11, he speaks of the partnership he and the Corinthians have. They can both pray and they can give thanks for one another. Notice they're to pray, watch God deliver, and then glorify God for that deliverance. Do you remember the book of James? It tells us that we are to expect trials. It tells us that suffering actually validates our faith. Trials is a very interesting word in the book of James. It's the Greek word parasmos. Our English word piracy actually comes from this Greek word. Trials are like pirates that invade our lives. It's not if, but when we fall into various trials. The believer who expects their Christian life to be easy is in for quite a shock. It's interesting that the verse that all believers quote about gaining wisdom, James 1-5, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, it's immediately preceded by the promise that trials of various kinds will come. And remember what the attitude we're supposed to have, count it all joy when those trials come like pirates in our lives. The question of suffering and pain cannot be answered in 140 characters or less. Sorry, Twitter. The problem is that we live in a society that more and more prefers sound bites over substance. A substantial question like this deserves a substantial answer. Never forget, God is trustworthy. Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And the cross is the greatest reminder of God's good news and His love for you and me. He knows. He cares. He is with us in the midst of our trials. The resurrection of Jesus promises that not only will our bodies be resurrected, but also the cosmos, the world around us, will be recreated. All that's wrong will be made right. God is not finished. He sees the end from the beginning. 
and he's now working to rescue us from this present evil age. We can be like Marty and Karen, and we can just keep trusting God. We're going to step away for a break, and I'm going to be back in 90 seconds for the Power Teaching segment. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show on Faith Radio. And welcome back to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. This is the program that inspires you with a thinking faith, helping you love God with your heart, soul, and mind. And I want to encourage you right now to begin submitting your questions to us at www.askjjj.com. We have several that have been submitted during the course of this broadcast. We're going to be discussing some in this segment and then in our next segment. I'm delighted to have joining me in studio today here in Houston, Texas, my dear friend and colleague, Professor Craig Evans, who is the John Bassanio Distinguished Professor, Professor of Christian Origins at Houston Baptist University. Professor Evans, great to have you back on the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. Hey, thank you very much. Good to be here. Professor Evans, uh, this is going to be a fascinating month because this is the first of a couple of shows where you're going to be featured this month on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. In fact, next week we have in studio both you and your co-author Jerry Jenkins for a delightful new, I don't want to give anything away about what we're going to discuss, but can you just give us a quick uh, preview about your new book, Dead Sea Rising? Well, you know, people love novels. They love uh, suspense and they love uh, mysteries, whodunits and all the rest of that. But people are also fascinated with the Bible, the Bible's world, the Middle East. And boy, that's a powder cake these days, as we all know. Hardly a day goes by that we don't hear something in the news. So what if we brought that all together? And we have a novel that's very realistic, very exciting, and it's all about archaeology and history and how the two collide, especially with respect to today. So we're, we're bringing the past to the present, the present to the past. We're pulling it all together and turning it into a thriller. And it's, you know, it's kind of like Indiana Jones, but a little more realistic and mm. even more exciting because you get better character development. You wonder who and what is going on, who who's trying to do what, what is this archaeologist going to find? So I just love working with Jerry, and I think it's a great book, and there are more to come. Wow, fantastic. Again, if you're just joining us midstream across the Faith Radio Network or later on our podcast, my guest today in studio is Professor Craig Evans. I want to encourage you to connect with him on Facebook and Twitter. Um, That's a great preview, Dr. Evans. We're going to leave it at that because I know next week we're going to have the joy to talk to both you and Jerry in studio. I want to encourage all of you, as we've been promoting, definitely tune in next weekend. Uh, next time uh, on the Jeremiah Johnston Show as we discuss Dead Sea Rising. I want to get back to this t- subject, um, Dr. Evans. We've been finishing. This is the final installment of a six-week study we've been engaging with here on this radio program called Unanswered Lasting Truth for Trending Questions. And we've been discussing the whole issue of pain tolerance as a Christian Why do I still suffer and why do I have so much pain in my life if there's a loving God? In fact, as you probably rightly know, Dr. Evans, because you're also a great defender of the faith, this is the number one reason that people turn away from the faith, some personal experience of suffering, evil, 
in pain. And friends, I'm delighted that Dr. Evans and I can discuss this. What are some of the immediate answers that comfort you in your own personal discipleship, Dr. Evans? And what are some answers that you give to so many thousands I know you have spoken to <clears throat> about the subject of a good and loving God and yet the pain in the world? Well, I'll tell you this. First of all, <clears throat> there would be there would be no hope if God was not there. What we'd have to do is look around and say, boy, reality is just plain miserable. And there is no hope that it'll ever be better. It is just what it is. And I've actually heard atheists speak that way and, and uh, criticize what they call sunshine atheists who seem to think that somehow it's just wonderful if we could just unfetter ourselves from faith in God, everything's going to be better. That's delusional. Mm. If there is no God, there's no hope. And so the pain and suffering in the world is not relieved. It's still there. It just has no meaning now. There is no reason to think it'll ever get better. There is no reason to think there will ever be justice. There's no reason to think that anything will ever be remedied. And it's just miserable. And I think it's it, there are people who actually think that, and in their despair they end their lives because they've given mm. up. There is no hope, not for themselves, not for anybody. Anyway, uh, I believe in God, and I believe that it's also a fallen world, and God is a redeeming God. God's mm. restorative. He's redemptive. He's trying to put the pieces back together, and that's what gives me hope. And so, in other words, pain and suffering don't have the last word. A loving God who wants to restore us and make us whole, he will have the last word. So powerful. Again, if you're just joining us, Professor Craig Evans, Distinguished Professor of Christian Origins, Houston Baptist University, is joining us in studio today. Dr. Evans, I know that you have traveled the world in speaking and also in lecturing, and you've encountered some powerful testimonies of people who, in spite of their suffering, have gone on to achieve a great shalom, a great, a great love and relationship, this restorative hope and peace. Is there any story that stands out in particular in your travels or in your ministry experience that you'd like to share with our audience? And then secondly, can you just speak for a moment as a historical Jesus scholar? And friends, I believe Dr. Evans is the finest Jesus scholar in the world about the great difference, the great distinction of the hope that Jesus' message brought to the world in which Jesus lived. Well, you know, the world before Jesus came was not a great place. And it was hard uh, for people. Um, <clears throat> people uh, suffered. People, uh, longevity was not even half mm. of what it is today. And the idea of rights, human rights, free speech, equality, being able to vote, democracy, that kind of thing, those were obscure, non-existent uh, ideas for the most part. And Jesus came along and talked about loving one's neighbor as yourself, talked about uh, welcoming children, welcoming women who had second and third class status in the Roman world. And, uh, and of course, his message took hold. His following surrounded him, embraced him. The resurrection occurred, which just fired up their faith and led them to preach and proclaim the good news that Jesus brought to the world, and it swept the world. And everywhere that gospel goes, life improves. Mm. Everywhere, And so there's a pragmatic element there. Yes. And so where the Christian faith takes hold and has a chance to influence society, that society, the standards simply go up in education, in hygiene, in food, in education, in security, in, in equal rights, human rights, the whole idea of human rights did not exist That's right. prior to the Christian gospel sweeping the Western world. Now it's a common idea. 
And so we have ideas like free speech, rights, you know, you can vote. You can't beat people. You can't own people. Slavery's gone. That's that's the change that Jesus brought. And why in the world anybody would want to push that away and say, well, who needs this? It's passe. Let's go in some other direction. I can't understand. Talk for a moment, and we only have about 90 seconds left, Dr. Evans, about what C.S. Lewis famously discussed as the problem of love. Well, you know, I think the problem of love or the problem of good, as I sometimes call it, or surprised by joy, Mm. which is the name of one of his books, people will focus on the problem of evil. They'll say, why is there bad in the world? Well, you know, uh, why shouldn't there be from an atheist point of view? But how do you explain good? How do you explain altruism? Where, how do you account for joy? Why do we have this hope in our hearts that there's more than just what we see all around us, that there really is a God who loves us? I think the only answer to that question is because we're made in the image of God. We have God's fingerprints, mm-hmm. his stamp upon us. Even an atheist has that. Even an atheist who says there is no God ultimately knows there is some good, there is some purpose, there is some reason for for. Uh, living, and that's why most atheists, in fact, do have hope, even mm. though their own ideology doesn't allow for it. Dr. Evans and I are in studio right now taking your questions that are being submitted at askjjj.com. We've got to take a break, but 90 seconds when we come back, we're going to lead off by discussing the notion that God actually loves us. Uh, was this something that was in the milieu of the day in the first century world in which the Jesus movement began? Was that normal? I mean, after all, we're so used to hearing the message of John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that today we almost expect God to be good to us. But was that a new message in the early Christian movement? We're going to be discussing that. Stay with us in 90 seconds. I return right here in studio. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. Back in 90 seconds. Welcome all of you back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. This is your host, Jeremiah, welcoming all of you joining us across the Faith Radio Network, both in the Central and the Eastern Time Zone. Also want to send a shout out to all of the pastors and Christian leaders who listen in places where there's no terrestrial Faith Radio Station, but perhaps you're listening on the Faith Radio app or on the Jeremiah Johnston Show radio podcast or archived later. Wherever you're listening from, we thank you for joining us on this broadcast. I have joining with me, uh, joining me today in studio is Professor Craig Evans, who is my colleague at Houston Baptist University. He is the John Bassanio Distinguished Professor of Christian Origins, a historical Jesus scholar, and someone who has been featured on over 300 television broadcasts and done hundreds of radio interviews and a frequent guest here on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. And if you missed the previous segment, I don't want to give anything away, but make sure you don't miss next week's program because both Craig Evans and uh, perennial author Jerry Jenkins will be in studio with me again. We're going to be discussing their brand new novel, Dead Sea Rising. Dr. Evans, thanks again for joining us in studio today. You're very welcome. Dr. Evans, I want to go back to this question. We've dedicated this entire program to evil, suffering, and pain. And in the first century world, when John's gospel records that for God so loved the world that he gave, was this an innovation to hear that God loved us? Or was that just something usual? Was that something that they were cribbing from another religion or belief? Well, you know, it was unheard of in the Greco-Roman world. Now, the idea of God and love, of course, is expressed in the Old Testament. Israel was very privileged to know that the God that gave 
Israel a covenant <clears throat> and gave God commandments that led to a much improved society, he was, in fact, a loving God. And the prophets would say that. The prophets would remind uh, the people of Israel that God loved them. And that was in contrast to the gods of the other people. By the way, I, I actually was reading uh, in, a, in a work by a, a very illustrious uh, Israeli historian who pointed out something very interesting, and that is there's only one country in the Middle East that was humanitarian. It was Israel. Wow. Uh, the ancient Near East was uh, dominated by what we would today view as, as uh, dictator states, uh, mm. states run mm. by... Uh, uh, like a, a thug, a mafia, who had the army and the police behind him, and he terrorized everybody. And the idea was to expand, to conquer, to uh, take what other people had, steal it, make them pay protection money. Mm. Israel was threatened by countries like that, like Assyria. Later, Assyria was swallowed up by Babylon. Babylon was later swallowed up by Persia. Israel was the only state where the king was answerable to God, where the the king was answerable to a set of laws, he was not above the law, and the prophets had the right, the responsibility to come in and ream them out, if they were ever wrong. They, but prophets in the other countries didn't do things like that. Hmm. Israel had that. So why? Why was Israel different from the other countries? It was because they had a relationship with God. The other countries didn't. The other countries uh, believed uh, in their multiple gods, their idols, and so on, sacrificed to them, and everything else. And these gods promoted the idea of this thuggery, expansionism, conquest, and enslavement. Israel did not enslave people. Other countries did. And so it's in that matrix that Jesus emerges and fulfills the prophetic word that even though Israel often failed, even though Israel was in a, in a state of oppression because of foreign countries, Jesus the liberator came and said, he's the way, follow me, and we'll break out of this mess. And that's what Jesus is all about. So he's taken the best that's there in Israel, the best in Israel's ancient scriptures, and made it a gift to the entire world and transformed the whole world in doing that and made the whole world a better place. Let me encourage you to connect with Professor Craig Evans on Twitter. That's at Dr. Craig A, like Alpha Evans, at Dr. Craig A. Evans. And feel free to check out his website as well, craigaevans.com. Dr. Evans, I want to just throw a curveball for a moment. You lead trips to Israel and the Holy Land, and you have a fantastic set of trips coming up this year, and I don't want to let this segment go by without you promoting it. We have thousands that listen to this broadcast, and some may be thinking, well, I don't live in Houston. Can I go with Dr. Evans? Or I've never met him before, but I'd sure love to go to Israel with him. Take a moment and discuss how people can go along with you to Israel and when and how and what's the website for more information. Well, thank you for that. And it's easy. Just go to my webpage that you've already mentioned, craigaevans.com. But you can also go to the livingpassages.com website. Living Passages is an excellent tour organization. I'm, I'm doing this with them. It's in the middle of September to the middle of October. Two tours. Choose one that you want to go on the end of September or the beginning of October. Jerry Jenkins, who mentioned, he will be with me. And uh, we'll be doing a uh, book signing uh, thing while we're cruising the Mediterranean. Wow. While we're so there's in, a cruise, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a cru seven days in the Mediterranean, five days in Israel. Don't miss it. And the other thing is, uh, uh, with me in Israel is Eli Shukron, an archaeologist. I mean, a real live right. archaeologist. 
uh, who's done a lot of work in Jerusalem and made some great discoveries. Also, uh, Adolfo Reutemann yes. and Dr. Johnson, I know that you know him and have spent time with him. He's an engaging personality, uh, a Jewish man from Argentina. He heads up the Shrine of the Book. That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls are conserved. That's right. So you can get it straight from the horse's mouth, everything you want to know about the scrolls, everything you want to know about archaeology, everything you want to know about a, from a best-selling author, and everything you want to know from me. The four of us will be there. And uh, I don't know of any tour like it. I mean, this is A+. plus. You know, it, it's uh, five-star. It's a great tour. So if you want to go, craigaevans.com, there'll be, uh, I'll just link you right on over to livingpassages.com and uh, look look up my specialized tour. And uh, glad to have you. So you don't have to go to my church. You don't have to go to one, <laughs> one or two of the other sponsoring churches that are going along. But uh, you can you can join me even if you live in Timbuktu. Well, and this is an unprecedented opportunity. I know you only have a few slots left, so I'm glad to be making this announcement. And I just want to remind you, for the benefit of our audience, we have many new people that join this program every week. The archaeologist mentioned Ellie Shukrone along with Dr. Evans about eight or ten episodes ago. We had an entire program here on the Jeremiah Johnston Show live dedicated to the best of biblical archaeology. And so if you can imagine going to Israel... And what's amazing, ladies and gentlemen, and hear me, unlocking the Bible in our life isn't just reading it, it's studying its context. So the ability to be in the holy lands, as I call them, with an archaeologist, with a historical Jesus scholar, and not only to be walking where Jesus walked, but immediately interacting them. There's so many delicious details you're going to pick up. And guess what? You're going to pick up details that many Bible scholars don't even know because they've not been to the land of Israel. So that website, again, is craigaevans.com. I want to encourage you uh, to sign up. Dr. Evans, when we study suffering in the New Testament, I think there's this false theology that God always provides this immediate, miraculous, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego way of escape. Now, certainly we believe in a God who works miraculously. He heals. Amen. We all agree with that. But more often than not, when we study adversity and suffering in the New Testament, and this is going to be the final word for someone who's suffering today, we don't see an immediate escape route, but we do see the power and presence of Jesus in the midst of the storm. And as I read it recently uh, by a friend of mine, Bob Goff, sometimes we think Jesus is asleep in the boat when really he's down there fixing the rudder in our life. What can you say as a historical Jesus scholar and a New Testament professor, we have about 60 seconds left, about the presence of Jesus in the midst of our own adversity? Well, the, what the Bible promises is that God is with us in our adversity. The Bible does not promise that there will be a miraculous rescue or a miraculous healing mm -hmm. whenever something comes along. By the way, as far as we know of Jesus's uh, apostles who went out preaching after his resurrection, all but one of them were murdered. That's right. All but one of them. I mean, is that interesting? Why, why can't they all say, well, hey, wait a minute. I expect a miracle. I want a miraculous uh, release from prison. You know, I want this. I want that. Most of them, make one perhaps, uh, and we're not even sure he really did. There's this tradition that John lived to be an old man, but he, all he experienced was exile, confiscation of all of his property. So Paul the Apostle was not one of the original 12, of course, but he became an apostle. He saw the risen Jesus. He went from being a persecutor of the church to a believer and a and an advocate of the church. And uh, he, as far as we know, he was beheaded. Mm. Peter was crucified upside down. These guys were murdered. 
these guys were imprisoned. Paul talks about how often he was beaten and uh, mocked and abused and so on. Well, you know, not one of them said, gee, where's God? In their experience, they knew God was with them. Paul in prison writes what's called the Epistle of Joy. It's mm. the letter he wrote to the Philippians. That's right. So these guys experience the presence and comfort of God, even in their tribulation and their affliction. That We have to remember that. I think part of the problem is that we in the West are so used to prosperity That's and right. comfort and security, we forget. And uh, I've, I was in Indonesia in the first segment of the program. You asked me about people who are in a different setting and a different world. I've seen that. I've seen people, they, they, they don't have the income we have. They don't have the security we have. Mm. Christians, believers in God who are oppressed by a vast Islamic majority. That's right. And uh, they've got a smile on their face, sweetest people I ever met. Mm. And I realized, wow, their their faith is so real to them and buoys them up. It do, you know, the the affliction and oppression doesn't mean anything. They don't mm. expect to always be healthy. They don't expect to live to 100. They take it as it comes because, and they can live with it because they know God is with them. That's a final word from Professor Craig A. Evans joining us today on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Don't miss next week as he comes back and returns in studio with Jerry Jenkins that we discussed Dead Sea Rising. What a note to end on. Thank you, Dr. Evans, for joining us today in studio. You're welcome. I'll be back in 90 seconds with some final segments from our Unanswered series. Join us in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is Jeremiah. I want to again thank Professor Craig Evans for joining us in studio today. And I just want to remind you in this final segment of our final series uh, called Unanswered, Lasting Truth for Trending Questions, what did we learn today? Number one, I can and I should be honest about the reality of my suffering and pain. I want to say something that I've said again and again to audiences, and they've found this to be helpful. I don't live in my past. I learn from it. I learn from my past. I don't live there. So make sure you're not living in that past pain. Only through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is pulsating through your and my spiritual life can we overcome the most difficult circumstances that you and I have faced or endured or experienced or just simply survived. You can get over it. And make no mistake, like we learned in the message today, I come to know God better through my pain and my suffering. Whatever you're going through, let it draw you closer to God. Um, I think of the great Christian thinker who said, loneliness actually is our ally, our friend, when it causes us to crave the comfort and the presence of God more than the presence or comfort of anyone else. Thirdly, my response to suffering determines my future. And so you've received this great teaching in this program today on Faith Radio Network on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. What is your response? Step number one, trust God right where you're at. And then finally, make no mistake, I don't suffer in vain. God's plan and blessings they are not canceled by my trials. This is the beauty and the power and the resiliency of the Christian faith. Isn't it wonderful to know whatever you face today, whatever problems, disappointment, anxiety, and fear, those things have not canceled God's blessing. They have not canceled God's plan for your life. So make no mistake, God is with you right now. 
And I want to encourage you, even as we close, we have about 60 seconds left. I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of the unanswered messages in this series, this is a regular weekly program on Faith Radio Network. Um, and I'm so delighted about all of the guests and the interviews and the wonderful things that we have planned ahead. But I want to make sure if you've missed any of the unanswered messages, go back and listen to those. Grab the Bible study, the book series, and the video series. Go to Christian Thinker Society. You can buy the entire Bible study kit for your group, or you can check it out at a local Lifeway store. I want to thank Brian Daniel, who joined us from Lifeway throughout this broadcast, as we talked about how the whole series came together. And most importantly, I just want to thank God for you, for all of you who are interacting with me, sharing your questions, which is really guiding the content for this program. Well, next week, I have Jerry Jenkins joining us, uh, that prolific author who wrote this fabulous novel, Dead Sea Rising. You're not going to want to miss it. We have Alistair McGrath, Angie Smith, other incredible guests this month. Stay with us. Great things to come on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you. So if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.